You're listening to Gifted with Sheila White, a podcast that will inspire you. Its purpose is to uplift and entertain creatives to pursue their passions through their gifts. Sheila White is a film and television producer, author, and entrepreneur. And in each episode, Sheila talks with gifted individuals about their journey and the lessons they've learned. It will also inspire you to make an impact, living your best purpose-driven life with clarity. And now, here's your host, Sheila White. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the show today. You know, I am so excited that you guys tuned in today. I want you to grab a pen, call a friend, and get ready to be inspired because I've got my girlfriend in the in the house today. Um, you are going to hear some information. This is all a true story. Nothing made up. You know, people love to hear stories, but this is a true story from a real woman, okay, that has been there done that and still keeping it going. Um, my guest today is Queenie Green and she is the voice of the people. She showcases real raw talent, okay, in the Chicagoland area and also internationally in the music and entertainment and art and health, bringing awareness and interactions with people within the community. This is a show that you wanna tune in today. Like I said, call a friend, call someone and let them know that Queenie is on the air today on The Gifted with Sheila White. And you know what? I love this young lady because I met her a few years ago and her story just impacted me so much. And I knew that we were gonna keep in contact. Um, she's a person that has an outlet for entrepreneurs and unsigned artists. And there's a lot of you out there looking for help, okay? And you might be looking for help in all the wrong places and in all the wrong faces, but this is a lady that can give you the 411. She can give you the information because she helps people throughout the community. I love her because she put in the work. A lot of people out there wanting to help you, but they don't want to put in the work. But she has put in the work and has turned her life around. And so her latest edition is in West Africa and Ghana. She's fluent in radio, television production, graphics design, websites. She grows and harvests her own crops. Man, she is rising like a piece of dough. I'm so excited to have her with us today. And we're gonna learn a lot about her life, her story, her journey. And so I want you to just stay tuned in because we're gonna tell you how you can get in contact with her to get more information of how you can be able to go to your next level. Welcome to the show, Queenie. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so humble. Thank you for having me. You know what? I, there's a lot that we have to talk about. We're going to what I call deep sea dive. I want to go back to the very beginning. I want to go back a few years ago when you were a little girl growing up in the city of Chicago. Um, I know that you had some challenges. Tell us a little bit about your background growing up, because it's kind of been a little colorful. And a yeah, lot yeah. of people don't know how you can go from that to where you are today. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you are really just doing living trauma like a boss. Okay, <laughs> that's what you're doing. You went through it, but you're living your life like a boss today. So tell us a little bit about your background and some of the things that happened to you that were traumatizing that wasn't necessarily the best start as you went through life, but it brought you to where you are today and made you the person you are today. Uh, well, uh, thank you for having me. I just want to first and foremost say that. Thank you so much. I'm very humble uh, for the opportunity uh, to speak on the show. So about myself, 
Um, like a lot of uh, inner city youth, black and brown community, um, I, I didn't grow up um, with a silver spoon. I didn't grow up from um, even middle class parents. I grew up uh, what you would consider the lower class, poor. Um, we went through a lot. I lost my father at about 11 mm. and losing my father at 11, I took a, I, I took a deep sea dive, um, a turn for the worse. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I like to be honest about that because that's, that's, I, I believe that's the biggest uh, area where my strength comes from because it made me who I am. I took a turn for the worst. I uh, just being rebellious. Um, I, I was 11. My sister was in her twenties. It was just her, myself and my mom. And I've always kind of been a stronger, the, the stronger one of the three, my mom, okay. my sister, and myself. Okay. And I more or less eternalized my father's death, which my mom and my sister, you know, they cried and they, you saw it out in there every day. But me, I kept strong for my mom and my sister. Mm -hmm. And I found myself at about eight, seventh or eighth grade going into high school, just a complete menace to society almost, you know, um, I became a fighter. I was fighting and, you know, I got, you know, wrapped with the wrong crowd, which, mm -hmm. uh, and I, I tell this story and I, I'm never ashamed to tell the story. Um, I wreak havoc. I wreak havoc in my high school. I wreak havoc on teachers, on adults. I, I didn't have much respect. And, and it was mainly because of me being rebellious because of the hurt from losing my father. Okay. And and I talk about that because I know I know for a fact that there is a lot of uh, young adults, a lot of teens and adolescents out here that they're not necessarily horrible menace to society children out here. They're it, it's a root mm. to their issues. And I, I I can you know I I I can relate and I can tell my story to say and to uplift them. And so uh, kind of fast forward, that's that all of that passion. And once I, I, I got pregnant at 17, a young parent, I got pregnant at 17. I had my daughter at 18. Um, and thereafter, uh, by the time I was 27, I had four children, mm. four children that I have now. Okay. And all of that just molded me into what I do today. You know, I, I want to go back a little bit because what you said, losing your father, you know, that, that's a very important relationship. Um, there's a lot of young people, a lot of men, um, a lot of young girls out there and, and boys too. When they lose the male in their life, that person that's supposed to be there to nurture you, to help you to grow, to show you the way, um, it often affects, there's residue left on your life. And, and yes. I think when you, ex, when you said that you lost your father, this was something that some people internalize and you internalize it. And growing up as a fatherless daughter had implications on your life. I mean, that left a fingerprint on your life. And, and as you said, at that tender age of 11, you're just a little girl, you know what I'm saying? And growing up poor because the father is the one that provides for the yeah, family. Yeah. And then this made you even more 
poor, you know, and, and growing up and things like that. And then, you know, you describe it as a minister society, but this is the reality that a lot of young people are in today. They don't have a father in the home. They're growing up poor. They're in a community that is calling them everything but their name and yeah. things like that. The community doesn't respect them. The police doesn't respect them. Um, you know, a lot of people that you see them walking down the street don't respect them. You know, they're calling them, you know, something else. Look at that, you know, that thought over there. Look at that thug over there. I'm sorry to cut you off, but oh, one ahead. of the things, and I really want to say this, and I want this out there as well, because one of the harsh realities that I dealt with, that, like you said, being called everything but your name, it wasn't just the community. My teachers in the school that I was in, um, my yearbook right now, I'm 40 plus, and I still, there's still some feeling there. I never wanted my yearbook because in my yearbook, the teachers that were in charge of that committee and the students, they thought it would, it was funny. And I am in our yearbook as most likely to be dead on drugs or in jail. Wow. Um, and that was at 16. And wow. so that was what was being said about me at 16. And see, I think that's really important to, to, to emphasize that because fatherless daughters, there's a, there's a link. There's studies that have been done about that, how it does impact your life. And it also impacts the life of young men as well. And this is the reason why a lot of young men are acting out because they don't know who their father is or he was in their life at a time. And he, you know, he left, you know, he left home and never came back or became deceased or, you know, when it became incarcerated or something. And so these people, these young people grow up with no respect. Um, they grow up rebellious because they're internally having holding on to this anger and it's displaced. It's displaced. They don't know what to do, how to get it out. Um, they're poor. There's not activities in the community that they can afford or there's not programs in the community that they can be engaged in. And so all of this root that's down inside of them shows yes. up as a fruit, you know, as bad behavior, as, you know, becoming, you know, pregnant, becoming a parent before a certain age, you know, becoming promiscuous, all of these things that are happening because of losing a parent, losing a father, a fatherless daughter. And so I know that you had some horrific things. Like you said, you became a fighter, you know, um, and probably oftentimes picking fights because of the fact that if somebody looks at you the wrong way on a certain day, it's on and popping. And so I think that's the reason why we have to have people to understand that even though you've had this, um, this background that was, a, was not the best beginning, you know, at an early age, we're going to see how this thing turned around for you as you went through life and, and had more experiences. Like you said, you had four children by the, the ages in, in your 20s and things like that. I had imagined that this helped you to focus on your view on what's happening within the community. Not only that you live, but just looking at the community and say, what can I do to make a difference so that no one else has to go through what I went through? No one has yeah. to go through the trauma and has to go through all of the different challenges. Is that one of the reasons why you started working with uh, young people? Um, because you didn't want them to turn out the way that you did, but then now you're better now, but it's, you didn't want them to go through some of those challenges. Well, because of what I went through and uh, you know, facing all of the adversities, you know, I, I dealt with being arrested, you know, in high school, things like that, you know, nothing major, just yes. those what you would consider stupid little things that teenagers and young adults will get into. And 
what that did for me. And then when I when I did start having my children, what it did for me is I see I I see the community different. I see these young thuggish boys, yeah, uh, promiscuous uh, thoughts as they call them. These young yeah. girls, yeah. I see them differently from everyone else because at a certain point you would have considered me one of them. You mm. would have considered, uh, you know, my brother, the boys we hung around. They, yeah. I, it, it was about, I want to say it was about 25 of us mm. that we all found a love with each other because we all came from broken situations and broken right. homes. Right. And right. as of now, we've probably buried about 19 or I, I believe it's we're up to about nine, very not like 19 of those um, mm -hmm. out of the 25. And so that that crowd that, you know, who we are now, we mm -hmm. would drive past right now and we would say things like, you know, they don't have any home training or oh. they're just thugs. I was considered that at one point. So I see them differently. Yeah. And so yeah. um in my in my later 20s going into my 30s I started a program called Queenie's Angels okay. and that what I what happened with that uh, I was out one day and it was a young girl and she had a baby and she just it didn't look right and so I started printing up these little cards mm -hmm. that uh, young girls and young men if they found themselves in a situation in the middle of the night put out or you know they were out there and they needed someone they could give me a call and I would get out of my bed I would and that kind of started because mm. me having children I was I was always young with mm. my children but in the communities that we lived in which were low-income communities I was always that more stable parent mm. of the, the community yeah. or the low income community that I lived in. My my children, three quarters, mm -hmm. my children, they changed my life. Wow. And at that point, my first daughter, at that point, I knew that the circles that I was in, the drug dealing, the gangs, those things, it wasn't conducive for my daughter. And I at, at, it just of like a light switch. Yeah. It, it flicked and it changed. And I, at that point, knew that Everything that I had dealt with growing up, mm. I could not have my children go through that. And so I became, our household kind of became that safe haven for all of my children's friends. Mm. So for the young ladies and the young men in our, in the community that we lived in, they, you know, we were all kind of going through the same thing. They yeah. ate at my house. They ate dinners with my children. Okay. They, I threw all the birthday parties. So they would all, everyone kind of trusted their children around me. Wow. And so when I was out in the street, I couldn't turn my back on what I saw in the street. Yeah. And so that started the Queenie's Angels. Um, mm -hmm. and to, to, to this date, I have uh, five young women are they're now between 25 and seven uh they were all prostitutes they're no longer prostitutes they're either doing music they're uh entrepreneurs mm. uh, but i would take these kids in my house um everyone was against it they were street kids i would take them in my house with my children mm. um and i would just be a mother to them wow. you know and i would and 
that kind of blossomed and everyone just was like, you know, you can't keep taking these random people into your house. But I felt like I'm what I'm doing. God in the universe won't allow any harm to come to my family from them because I'm doing something that no one else is doing for them. And so I don't know. There was no fear when yeah. we went to sleep at night. And um, and so that blossomed into that. Uh, I, I never really like LLC'd or started mm -hmm. a nonprofit or anything for that. It So I guess a, a short pause. Yeah. I never started to do any of this, I guess, for any recognition. It's just something that I felt like I had to do yeah. because throughout my knucklehead days, I like to call them, I had pastors, I had adults, I had, you know, people from all type of walks of life yeah. that would say things to me like, you you have a calling or you're going to be great. You may be going through this now, but there's something about you or there's something. And so... Yeah. And I mean, like, I can remember I've had pastors give me vehicles for free because oh. I actually was going to work on the bus with all four of my children with me going to work, leaving them in the break room and things like that. And so I never uh, I never accepted where I was just yeah. to be for me. And so I had a lot of blessings. And so I felt. Like, and I still feel like that to this day that I, I have to do that because those people that were blessings in my life that turned yeah. things around for me, that's the reason why I'm here and I'm able to do the things that I'm able to do. So I have to do that for these other young kids out here that people have turned their backs on. And, you know, it's so interesting, you know, Queenie, because, you know, you took your pain of all that what you went through and you did not want to see someone else go through that rescuing people just literally from the street and taking people in um, a lot of people just don't have that heart and you just have that heart to reach out to people is and and these people that like they said the young ladies that are with you they're entrepreneurs they're people that are doing something with their life because you care because you care for them is this the reason why you started working with entrepreneurs and unsigned artists because now you're working with them and they don't have that you know a lot of people don't have the support they don't have someone that they could depend on or call. So is that why you started working with other unsigned artists and entrepreneurs and people like that? <laughs> well, uh, actually, I always say this entire life that Queenie Green is living, I, I will be working on a book. Um, <laughs> I had an opportunity about six years ago to write the book, but I didn't feel like I was ready because it was okay. so much more. Uh, now we have Africans, so it was so much more, but... Um, I feel like the life kind of chose me. Yeah. I was working, I was working with a young lady um that I went I went to school with her. I went to school with her and uh her her family is uh uh the Parliament Funkadelic, George Clinton. Okay. Um and she started off, she started off being a rapper and things like that. And I was actually managing her. We were we grew up together and she came and got me and she said, you know. I know you don't know all of everything about industry and radio, but I know that you always, you always knew business. I, I was yeah. doing, doing like the, the girl's hair in the school and things like that when I was young. So she's like, you were always about business and knowing how to make money. So I need, I want you to manage me. Wow. She got an opportunity to uh, be a radio. Uh, she graduated from radio school, radio okay. broadcasting school. She got an opportunity to uh, be a co-host for a show. 
And I would go with her uh, just because she she didn't really understand contracts and things like that. And so I would go with her with everything she did to look over contracts and things like that. And I was sitting in the corner of UBM, the late uh, Leon Finney, UBM radio's owner. I was sitting in the corner of the radio station. Mm-hmm. About three weeks of shows went by, and one of their co-hosts was a no-call, no-show. Wow. And that day, they said, uh, Queenie, you know, get on the mic. And I was like, no, I've never been to school for radio. I've never done radio. Uh, despite one of my mom's older friends start calling me radio at about two, because he said I never shut up. Wow. Um, uh, he said I talked too much, so he called me radio. But other than that, I had never really did anything with radio. Oh, wow. They said, you know what? Whatever. We don't care. You you talk to us good enough. And so you'll do fine. Um, We did the show. By the time the show was over and we came out of the studio, the director, the director of the station and Leon Finney, they were standing at the studio and they were asking, who is she? (laughs) And come to find out their show got the most ratings that night it had ever gotten. Wow. And that that night they took me into the office um, and they said, we want you on the station because you got they you got a bunch of ratings. And I told them I, you know, never had I didn't have any experience. They said, well, you have three weeks. So they gave me three weeks to come up with format and start my own show that was totally funded by uh the radio station wow now see that's what we're talking about going from that to that i mean because you were doing the right thing in the right place at the right time good things happen good things happen even though you didn't have the background like you said even though you didn't have the training here's good coming to you because you were doing good to other people it's like you sow a seed and then you reap what you sow, so to speak. You know what I mean? And 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 the fact that you didn't have the experience and all of that, and you just kind of said, hey, I'm going to jump in here and dive in here. That's a whole new situation that you brought yourself into. Um, that literally, that just came to your feet. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. what what, what is, was, was, what is your greatest moment of working with, I would say, radio, um, radio and television? What is one of your greatest moments? Because that's an experience that a lot of people don't get a chance to go into. So what and, would and you I, say is your greatest moment? And, and I'm sorry, I, I I gave you a little bit of history that I'm kind of, I'm yeah, not in I my got actual location, so I've got to re- relocate for a little bit. But That's not a problem. Um, so I would say, oh my God, I, I would say all of my experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I don't know if I can really put my fingers on one in particular um so within the year the first year of them giving me this free show yeah uh, they funded they gave me three weeks i actually pulled it off um (laughs) within about a year and a half i had like one of the top shows at that radio station okay Um, I kind of superseded everyone that I was actually started off doing the show with. Um, I lost a lot of friends. Wow. Um, you know, I, I did lose a lot of friends because let's, I. Let's talk about that a little bit. When you say you lost a lot of friends, was that because you were transitioning from that life before to the life that you have now, which is you know you now you're more of a professional, your your personality, so to speak, or what would you say was the cause of losing those people? 
well, at that time, I, I think it was one of the things that, you know, I I was there sitting in the corner. Oh, okay. Okay. It was not, it wasn't supposed to turn into my own show. Okay. Uh, and then within six months of that show, I wound up being syndicated um, and with another show in Boston, um, Philadelphia. And so within the first year, the first year and a half or so, I had people, um, I met her kin, I was meeting legends, I started managing. I went from just having my show there at UBM to becoming one of the producers. Then I became the sales director over there after a few years. And so um, I think for some, for some, you know, that, that and I, I don't fault them or anything, uh, you know, um, I, I, I just think that it wasn't it wasn't expected that I was go from the corner to oh. kind of front and center of everything. Yeah. yeah. And um, I've gone on and that was about 10 years ago. Now let me ask you this question because like you said, people didn't expect you to start it where you were at the bottom at that level and then rise all the way to the top of being a manager, producer and things. What? was one of the, the stabilizing uh, factors in your life that drove you to want to keep pushing and keep going. Because when you started out, you didn't have all that support, but there was something internally in you that kept you pushing. What do you? What was that ingredient, would you say? Um, so like Mr. Glover uh, that started calling me radio at about two, because he said I talk too much. I, that night, it was... Uh, it was phenomenal. Okay. <laughs> Excuse me. And doing my show, I was so very nervous. Um, and I didn't I, I didn't feel that I knew what I was doing, but everyone just was like, you're a natural. And wow. the more more shows that I started having, I I, I loved what I was doing. Mm. You know, because I was learning and I was starting for myself. Okay. But during I built my I built my show around during interviews for just local everyone, okay. local unsigned artists, okay. um, entrepreneurs, authors, politicians, things like that. And the more I, the more I became, you know, I started doing more shows. I started being invited to more places, and I started to notice that I was doing something that I always initially really wanted to do and that was help people wow. but I was doing it in this way of the radio you know station in my show because I was interviewing people and they were able to get their their skills and their yes. the beauty that they held they were right. able to get those out um I I I so I would think I would say my very first interview my very first interview was for a young man that uh People talked him into rapping. Mm. Um, he was the very first interview for my very first show. It was his okay. first time ever being interviewed on radio. And he is now signed by a major record label as well. Wow. And that's and that's a cool thing, you know, because like I said, you reach out to anyone that is needing the help. You know, like I said, you work with these young ladies that were on the street. They turned around and became entrepreneurs and things like that. What are some of the community awareness issues that you see 
us plagued with today because you're going out into the streets and out into the highways and byways, as they say, rescuing people. What are some of the issues that you see that's just prevalent, that just keeps showing up, keeps showing up? You know, we talked about fatherless daughters earlier, but what are some of the issues that you see that are out there um, just in the community? Uh, well, um, I, I guess this would go into uh, me talking about our Garden Girls yes. program. Mm -hmm. So um, I, COVID happened. Uh, so, okay, I'm sorry, I digressed. It's so much to think about. Um, so from the radio station, um, I wound up eventually leaving that radio station. I went on to manage a bunch of other stations. Throughout the years, I earned uh, media credentials for the city of Chicago. So I started doing more events and things like that. And uh, the, the name and the character Queenie Green just blossomed. Uh, and then fast forward, COVID happened and yeah. shut everything down. Yeah. Um, so there were no festivals or no know anything going on for me right, to right. continue to work at and so I started volunteering in a, a local community garden not far from my residence okay and um, I started working in the garden uh, with the gentleman that was uh, upkeeping this particular garden I loved it um, gardening is something that I love my grandma uh, she was a gardener so I grew up with her doing that okay and so uh, during COVID, I started working more and more in this garden. And while in the garden, I noticed these group of young girls that just kind of, we talked about this, just kind of yeah. walking around right. the neighborhood. And I would see them all the time. And so uh, they knew the gentlemen that was were also working in the garden from their programs that they do with the school. And so I asked the young girls, you know, if I could, if they would come with me, if they would come with me on the weekend okay. on Saturdays, um, would they, you know, would they be willing to? Because what I saw was I saw a bunch of young girls that were, you know, being talked to by older men oh, or wow. kind of pulled into drama, fighting, mm. things like that. I saw myself in a lot of uh, in my my babies. Yeah, They're my yeah. Uh, the girl girls. Yeah, and, and so that kind of blossomed into what we have now the summer camp called the garden girls and wow. that is uh they come out with me in the garden okay. um i teach them gardening i teach them life skills and we talk about things that i just felt like may not be being talked about with them in in the homes and just mm. you know them that outside um influence right. you know because in we and you're a mother as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We say what we say to our children and they respond to us a certain way, but there's something about the outsider that can get to your children better yes. than you can. Yes. And so I I I thought that I may be I may be able to be that. And so um, you know, just being around the community. Mm. I started this program with the, called the Garden Girls, and then their brothers and the young men around the neighborhood, they would see us. They would say, well, is this just for girls? I want to come. And so we started the Land Kings. And so we teach them how to landscape, mow, guard, mow grass and, you know, build and just just be pillars of yeah. the community rather than tearing down the community. Because I think for the most part, our young people out here, they're not just, you know, just throwaways. Mm. They want better. 
they just don't have, you know, the parents, the parent, the reality, the parents, they may not have had that influence in their lives when they were growing up. So they don't reciprocate that to their children, which means that the cycle just continues. And me knowing what I came from and me knowing that the cycle can be broken Mm. if you just have someone that maybe can show you the potential that that's in you. There's yes. something to open them up. Right. So and, I put, and that's, and that's really important because here you said garden girls, they were just around there looking for something to do. And here you took these girls, put something, you know, some tools into their hands that can help them to work in nature, but then yet you are able to spend time with them, putting things into their mind and putting things into the soils of their soul because you're able to be a mama, you know, like a, a, a mama gardener, you know, out there helping them to nourish their thoughts, nourish their dreams, nourish their visions. Instead of while they're working with the soil, you're actually putting more seeds into them, which is really, really awesome. And I think this is the reason why God has just opened up more doors for you because you're doing something, you're doing his work. You're really doing kingdom work out there, you know, Queenie. And it's really important when you say garden girls and land, and land kings, helping these young men to know how to do landscaping, cutting grass, this is important. They're looking for something to do. They're looking to see if someone cares. And you were right there in the right place showing that you care. I want to go back a little bit when we talk about the artists, because we we're talking about the radio and things a little bit. What do you tell unsigned artists? Because there's so many people out there with dreams. You know, everybody wants to be the next Beyonce, the next... Jay-Z or something, or uh, Kanye, what do you tell unsigned artists to give them encouragement, to give them hope, um, to give them inspiration, knowing that they have a chance? Um, Some are talented, maybe some aren't so talented, but how do you keep them engaged in their craft and in their dream of wanting to, um, you know, just go out there and be someone as an entrepreneur? One of the first things, because as I said, uh, I kind of and I think we had a little interruption. Let me ask you that question again, Queenie, because I think we had a little interruption. Um, there are unsigned artists out there. What do you say to an unsigned artist that is looking to, like I said, be the next Beyonce, Jay-Z? They want hope. What do you tell them to keep them encouraged knowing that it's possible that they can make it? The first thing that I try to tell uh, artists is that Before you can be a celebrity or before the celebrity comes, the money, you have to have the knowledge of the business first. So I I encourage, you know, of course, you want to anyone that does something, you Mm want to dive in, you want to do your craft. But I try to explain to them that longevity comes from knowledge. Mm. 
you know, there are so many one hit wonders out there because they ran out. They didn't know the business. They didn't know what they were getting this, their, themselves into. And so the first thing that I start off with is I, I try uh, to explain to them, you know, of course, you're going to do your shows and things like that. You do want to do that. You do want to, you know, get yourself out here, get yourself known. You do want your branding. Um, but the my I, my thing, the first thing that should be done is take some time mm. and research, research the industry, research uh, the operations of major record labels versus independent rate record labels, research mm. the terminology, just know what you're getting yourself into, uh, because, you know, everyone wants to be an entrepreneur. Everyone wants to get there. Right, right. Everyone, everyone doesn't really know mm -hmm. uh, what the actual industry uh, kind of all about. Yeah, yeah, all about. And so I, I try to, uh, especially for the younger, the younger kids, I try to really explain to them. Get as much knowledge as you can. Get someone older behind you. You know, don't go straight in mm. willing to do whatever for the dollar because you okay. will find yourself doing whatever for wow. the dollar. I try to really encourage uh, the knowledge uh, first. Yeah. Becoming familiar with the industry. Talk to people. Do, you know, the first thing, uh, copyrights. Understand your copyrights. Understand your masters. Understand all of the terminology and understand the back-end business mm. before you get to the phones. Because um, in the industry, I, I worked with uh, Universal Records uh, mm -hmm. back maybe about 10 years ago when, when the radio thing kind of first started. And yeah. one of the things uh, that we were taught is that, uh, and this is something that I, I want to say this because I want anyone that may be an upcoming artist, I want you right. to understand that the mainstream industry, they consider your talent only to be 10%. Wow. And 10% now, now explain of, that. Explain that when you say only 10%, because for people that don't know, that they're an artist, they think, you know, they've got the package, they're waiting to be signed, but how does the industry look at them? You said 10%, explain that. Well, the industry looks at an artist as as your your talent base, your, it's only 10%, which means, and uh, for those out there that know what I'm, I'm talking about, that means even for myself, I can make an artist. I can dress you the way I want. And, and if you know these things, it changes your perspective on mainstream artists nowadays, because you can, I can look at those and I can tell those who did their own research, they know knowledge of the business versus those that are uh, made artists, which okay. that 10% means that the 10% is basically only what comes out of your mouth and what, what the world will see. Mm. That, that means I can make an artist. I can dress you the way I want to dress you. Okay. I can have written for you what I want you to say. Mm -hmm. I can uh, I can hire everyone. Like right now, uh, me being in the industry, I can call a pro I, in in my Rolodex, my cell yeah. phone Rolodex. Mm -hmm. I can call a producer. I can call a beat maker. I can call a mixer and a master. I can call a photographer. Mm -hmm. I can call someone with jewelry. I can call someone with alcohol. I can call someone with cars. Yeah, yeah. I can call a ghostwriter. Yeah. I can call in those things. All I really need is a young man or a young woman. 
that mm. means that's what the ten percent is. The ten percent is just you. Oh, okay. I see. Percent, the ninety percent that comes into your career that that is all. What is your career? That's mm. everyone else that's getting oh. paid. Okay. Okay. So that's that's like uh, explaining a little bit for people out there, the unsigned artists and people that have talent. It's like the artist development part of it because they have the talent, but that's just a portion. There has to be some kind of uh, something that you can connect that caboose to, to connect that train to, to keep going. So artist development, as you're saying, is very important to yes. have as a part of that package, because if you yes. don't have that, you're just out there singing or, or dancing, do whatever it is that your gift is, and you're not getting recognized. So that 10% is just raw talent, that what yes. you have to bring to the table. But you're saying right. that other percentage is what's needed to make the magic happen. Yes. And and within the industry, the 10 percent, unfortunately, the 10 percent is not really cared about mm -hmm. um, in, the, in the mainstream industry of your major record labels. Yeah. The 10 percent is not cared about because, mm -hmm. as I said, the main the main uh, one of the main phrases is we any we can make an artist. Mm -hmm. And wow. because. The, I come with the 90%. So uh, just like as far as myself, I have signed artists in Africa right now that we're working with that are signed to uh, my studio right. label. Right. But, you know, and I explain to them all the time, the no, having the knowledge and the arts development is very important because that's when you, you know, you know that you won't, uh, you won't become as we'll say the puppet that everyone's always talking about okay. or won't be the person that you're um pretty much duped out of your royalties your money yeah. your yeah. Debt. and I, I tell artists all the time uh, this is why the rise of independent artists mm -hmm. is now because they're at that point with your TLCs and you know those names that we've always heard yeah. that they were the label messed them out of their yeah. money and things like yeah. that and that's that comes from um you being almost you know you being really really happy about being like recognized gold. you kind don't like know contracts you yeah you, you don't know contracts you mm -hmm. don't know the terminology you don't know uh the back end and so you get people that we you think they're your friends mm -hmm. and then you have your accountant, your accountant, your lawyer, your manager, the producer, everyone's getting paid. Yeah. And you walk away with maybe the chain. Mm. Wow. Wow. You know, those that one set of diamond earrings. What a lot of people don't know that a lot of mainstream artists right now in the yeah. industry, they are broke. Wow. Wow. Because they don't own any, they don't own anything for themselves. They don't sign their contracts. They don't, you know, handle their own business. It makes me think of, you know, uh, years ago when Prince, you know, Prince was alive and he had the word slave written on his jaw, you know, and things. And everybody's like, why do you have that tattooed on your jaw, slave? It's because of the problems that he had with the label. And he wanted to do his own thing and own his own music and his own masters and so much other drama surrounding that. And so what you're saying is very important for artists out there to be able to understand, get the knowledge, know what industry you're going into and know that you're going to not, you can't do it by yourself. 
you can't be an island and just go out there. You have to trust somebody, but it has to be the right somebody that you have to trust because it takes a village to be able to, to get to that level of a Beyonce or Jay-Z or some type of top dancer or whatever it is. It takes more than just yourself to get you there to, to uh, be able to get the recognition that you want. I think a lot of young artists go out after things because they're looking at the money of what yes. they can make, but not realizing that, you, like you said, they may come away with just the gold chain or the earrings or they have the house, but what else do they have within a few years? You know, it's like the, the uh, sports players. A lot of them were getting these nice contracts and things. And then so many years, these sports personalities are broke, you know, and, and actors as well. Actors as well. Yeah, well, when you take, when you take a group of people or you take a, a, a young man or a young woman, you take someone from a complete, completely poverty stricken lifestyle mm -hmm. and you dangle millions of dollars over their head, wow. most likely they're not many are going to think about that. The, they, they're not going to think long term. They're not going to think contracts. They're not going to think those things. They want what they've never had before in life. And wow. that's, the that's the image the publicity and another thing uh there's two men away from the artist development mm. two main points that i always like to uh when i because i actually have an artist development program it's a six right. month program oh um, we months. do charge it's like a few weeks charge, but i think i got it in a few weeks no, but you're no, saying no, months. No, no we do a six month program and we do Yes, we do a six month program because each every month we tackle a different area of okay. Okay. what it takes to be an upcoming artist. Wow. wow. And one of the one of the things that I always like to I really, really try to press into them. Understand when you're not paying for anything yourself, mm -hmm. no one's doing that because you're cute or that love you, or they're doing that because you're an investment to them. So for your managers, for anything that you don't pay for, there's a tally. Someone is tallying that up. Mm. And wow. that when you find yourself, you find yourself in court or you find yourself with a zero paycheck because you didn't know that those hotels, uh, those drugs, uh, those women, those men, those uh, luxury suites, yeah. those cars in the videos, mm -hmm. those diamonds, those clothing, mm -hmm. all of these things that we you know, we as, and, I, and I'm speaking as if I'm an artist, all yeah. of the things that we would have in our videos and the, the, the lifestyle we'll be living, mm -hmm. if you're not seeing the bill for those and you're not paying the money for that, mm -hmm. you need to understand that, that that is, all of that is still being paid for. None of it is being given to you free. Wow. It is being paid for. And if it's not being paid for from you and your hand up front, it is being taken from every single check that your manager may be collecting. I have a bunch of friends that are in the our mainstream artists. Yeah. In within music, within acting, and we talk about this all the time that I have a lot of them that now they know and they found themselves in court sued and things like that. That's how you find yourself not owning your masters or not owning your music 
because the record label copy, you know, they had it copywritten. You didn't have it copywritten. So now they own it, which basically means they own you. Wow. And so that's where you get Prince's uh, slave on his face because yes. at some point Prince understood and he, he realized he was owned by the record label. And that's important to know because a lot of people are, like I said, they're trying to find their way. And a lot of people, like you said, if they start out with a very poor background from sports sports personalities to actors or whatever, if someone is dangling a million dollar uh, you know, carrot out there, they're looking at that, not looking at, like you said, who's paying for the video, who's paying for the cars, who's paying the actors, who's paying for everything, the camera people, all of that, who's taking that responsibility. And a lot of times they're not thinking broad enough. You know, I think it's about the choices that we make as entrepreneurs, the choices that we make as, um, you know, wanting to be in this, in the industry as an unsigned artist. I think it's important to go back and look at the choices and what you were saying was just, there is a flood of things to consider when you're going into this. Don't just look at your talent, but look at, like you said, studying the background, knowing the industry, um, learning about contracts. All of these things is very, very important. And if you have to get legal representation to help you to go over these types of contracts, because a lot of people have, from actors to you know the singers, dancers, all the way to different entrepreneurs, they enter into certain things and they're not sure if it's going to work out or not, but they just throw the dice, you know, and they take a chance. And a lot of times they get burned. And then when they get burned, it affects them. Um, how do you pull a person out, let's say a person that has, they tried, they, they went out there, they put their best foot forward, but then they did get burned. How do you encourage them to get back up to keep going after a disappointment, so to speak? Um, I, I would say, because I've had that conversation with many, many artists. Um, I, I had an artist that won Sunday's Best, and, and I was thinking, wait a minute, you won Sunday's Best, what are you doing here? Why do you need me, you know? But after having those conversations, what I can say is we all fall. Yeah, yeah. Bill, yeah. Gates, Bill Gates, uh, some of your richest people in the world, Elon Musk, We've all fallen at yeah. a point. Everyone falls. No one, I don't think there's ever in life anyone that just went into something, took off, and they didn't meet any adversity. So right. you're going to always meet adversity. Mm-hmm. You're, you're not over. Your life yeah. is not over. Your talent yeah. isn't over because mm-hmm. you were burned. I've been burned many times. <laughs> uh, what the, the 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 strongest link is the person that continues on mm. and so if you find yourself in that situation you have been burnt don't think of it as a problem yeah we as humans we tend to take adversity as a problem mm. no think of that as a blessing and, mm. and i know it's it's hard it's yeah. hard uh you know when you you Put five, 10, 15, 20 dollars into something or put your time into mm-hmm. something. You've put your your tears or sweat into something and it doesn't happen. Or it's been I've I've had I've had studios locked on me with all of my equipment. I just recently my storage was broken into, all of my equipment was stolen. Wow. I've been through and this was just this was actually uh this year that I had my storage wow. broke into and mm-hmm. things were stolen from me. What I say is you take that as a blessing Mm. and you take that as a blessing and a lesson. 
Yeah. And you learn from it. And yeah. instead of, you know, staying down, you inter you internalize everything that happened, everything that led into that point that mm -hmm. you were burned. And then you also have to take some responsibility as well. Take wow. some responsibility for yourself and and analyze your part in yeah. you being burned. Wow. Because sometimes sometime we can be burned and we're, we, we want to lash out. We yeah. want to pass blame. We always want to pass blame. It's very hard to take responsibility. Mm -hmm. uh, take, and, and I can only talk from experience. So let's take my storage yeah. unit being mm -hmm. broken into and the things being stolen. Mm -hmm. um, yes, it hurt. Yeah. It was over $10,000 worth of equipment. Wow. When I I was mad, I was upset. I pretty much I I still kind of figure I kind of know who mm -hmm. did it. Yeah. One of them, but yeah. taking some time and saying, okay, what did I do? Mm. What part did I play? Did I do anything that made this a possibility? And uh, there was a point. It was during the winter time. Um, they had plowed their snow up okay. again the storage units. Wow. And I was doing a show, my, my weekly show. And I, I had the storage unit cause I didn't want to take the things in and out of my car and the residence yeah. home and things like that. Cause I was scared about the neighborhood yeah. or, you know, people watching and knowing that I had this much stuff in my house or my apartment. Wow. Wow. And so I asked the employee if they could, cause I didn't have a shovel. Mm -hmm. If they could take, remove the stuff from in front of my storage unit because I couldn't take the chance of taking my equipment through the snow. Okay. At oh, that point, at that point, it took responsibility for my things being stolen because what it did for me is, I'm sorry, it made me, I thought about what I said and maybe if I hadn't said that my, my equipment was expensive, and important and I didn't want to take the chance of dragging it through the snow and damaging it mm. maybe employee it wouldn't have sparked the interest oh. of that employee that oh some costly stuff that stuff is expensive I, right. I can get some money from it or I know someone or however they whatever they did to break into my unit yeah it it may it may maybe because my power of suggestion that my things were expensive. Wow. So that was me taking me not passing the bank, me taking responsibility and me learning next time, maybe not, you know, maybe I'll say something a different way. I won't let it be known that this is important to me. This is ex expensive equipment. I yeah. won't do that next time. So that's me taking responsibility. So I I would say that for a person that finds themselves take responsibility. Okay. Look at and analyze everything that led up into that point and just see maybe next time how you may be able to do some things different, how you interact with some people different, maybe not trust so much or whatever their, their particular situation is. Maybe there's something that you can do different. Well, you know, that, that, that makes me think about, you know, um, there's so many things that's pretty heavy because taking responsibility is the first step that I think people should do and that especially just anyone, no matter if you're an artist or not, just taking that responsibility um, is really important. I want to talk a little bit about your youth camp because I know that's something that's coming up 
<laughs> pretty soon. And uh, tell us about the U Camp because I know you have the you know the Land Kings, you have the um, Garden Girls. Um, you're working with schools and things like that so that young people can have something to do through the summer. Let's talk about the youth camp that you have coming up in July. Uh, so the, that's the Garden Girls in the Land King program. So uh, this will be now our third summer with them. The first summer, as I said, they I was just actually working in the garden, seeing them walking around. Well, from the summers that I worked with them, um, I surprised them last summer, um, you know, just to kind of get also gifts at their uh, one parent homes and things like that. Yes. And so to give them some help, um, I surprised them on the first day of school with a tote bag full of school supplies and things that we wow. uh, that we supply for them. And what happened was they went into the school after these two summers with me and the teachers and the school officials, they noticed a big difference wow. in their attitude. In their, I mean, it was to the point where their moms are calling me saying, hey, Miss Queenie, she's got some stuff going on at school. You know, I've talked to her over and over, but they love you. Can you help me? And I, yes. And so I kind of the advocate as well so I'm going to the school you know and the principal the teachers they're letting me in because I'm talking to them like look you know your mom's at work now mm. what's going on and so that they changed a lot wow. being with me for the couple summers so the school offered uh for us to bring the program into the school wow. and so that's actually a year-round program that we'll be starting after the summer but wow. this summer um what we did was Everything, I, I did everything on a whim um, okay. the first summer. And so everything that we did, me being also a graphic designer, I did flyers and things like that for, you know, just for mm -hmm. people and social media, my Facebook friends to come and volunteer, right. bring their children. Because um, we were just doing this in the garden. So mm -hmm. what I initially did was I created a syllabus from everything that we did the first year on a whim. I created a syllabus for that and that syllabus was created and it's turned into the actual program that we're doing now every summer. Uh, so with the program, with the program, what we do is we teach them gardening. Okay. Um, one of the things that I feel is another issue with what's going on within the communities is because the family structure is not strong anymore. And no. so no. what the gentleman that I work with in the, uh, the community, uh, we call him Dr. Community. Mm -hmm. uh, that's Dr. Quayley Quaza. We call him Dr. Community. Um, what we do is he takes the young men mm. and he hopes the, the land kings, they're with him. Okay. And he's teaching them how to do the manly things, mowing the grass, okay. making sure the land is done. For the girls, I teach them pruning. Uh, we teach them all gardening. But for the most part, what I've tried to do with the summer camp program is I've tried my a way where I'm what I feel with what I say for myself is mm -hmm. I'm building and I'm teaching and I'm grooming wives. Wow. While he's grooming and teaching and building husbands. Wow. Because I think the the in the black and brown community, the family structure is not intact. And so what we're doing is we're taking them and 
they started about nine. We have them from about nine to 12 and we're building the family structure. So I'm building wives, he's building husbands. And so when you put, when you take a garden girl and you put her with a land king, now you have a young lady that knows how to grow, young man and young lady that knows how to grow their own crops, grow their own fruits and vegetables. Throughout the program, we have we bring out the grill. I teach them how to make spaghetti from scratch, from tomatoes and the vegetables we grow. So we see, I teach them how to cook from scratch these vegetables that they're growing. They're growing, um, and I believe if you put that together, then you build a good husband and a good wife. Wow. Well, you know what? We're just about out of time now. I'm I'm just so thankful for. The programs that you have, the things that you're doing, you're making such an impact um, in this community, uh, you know, the Chicagoland area, in Ghana, uh, West Africa as well. I mean, there's a lot of things going on in the area of television, radio, production, graphics that you, you're doing a lot, the gardening uh, thing, working with the girls and the boys. How can someone get a hold of you to be able to find out more about the programs, to get involved in the camp that's coming up in July? Um, to be a part of, of the programming or they're an unsigned artist and they want to get the support and the information for you to be able to help them. Can you give us your contact information? Yes. So you can always uh, at any given time, go to the website. That's www.wvogchi.com. So that's wbogchi.com. That's the website um, for any information on anything within the website. If you use the navigation tool, mm-hmm. everything that we have going on is there on the website. Information on every program is there. Okay. Um, if if you like to contact for more information, you can contact us info. That's info i n f o at wvogchi.com. Um, you can go straight through the website and leave us uh, a message. It'll go straight to our website for any unsigned or local artists that's looking for music rotation. Um, we also offer business advertisement. Okay. They can, they, the artists business advertisement, they can use that info at WVOGCHI.com. That's our email. Okay. And, uh, just email me who you are what you're interested in and we typically get back to you within 48 hours for the musicians artists things like that you can uh, send your music into music at wvogchi.com and if you are uh just into music we have 14 now we have 14 online radio stations you can download our app whether you have an android or an iphone that's wvog radio in your Google Play and your iTunes store. Okay. Um, we have a gospel station, a reggae, R&B, rap, hip-hop, uh, soul, blues, jazz. We have a community station where uh, you can find voter registration information, information okay. of uh, local uh candidates that are coming up we also have a our newly introduced motivational station so if you just need motivation there's no music but it's just speeches from everywhere from kobe bryant to tyler perry to martin malcolm mark cuban um this uh artist music artist jay-z's uh 
Yes. And so at any given point, if you need inspiration as a business owner, you can tune into our motivational station. Again, that's WVOG radio available in your play stores and WVOGCHI.com, the website. Well, you know what, folks? I told you she's rising like a piece of dough. <laughs> a lot going on and a lot happening. Friends, I just want to thank you so much for listening. I hope that you found this information very helpful. Um, if you're an unsigned artist, um, if you are looking to um, have your youth involved in something in the Chicagoland area, then Queenie Green is the person. She left all of her contact information. I want to thank you for listening. If you did not hear this entire broadcast, I want you to visit our website for more updates and information and leave a comment at www.roadtoeternity.net. And remember, you are uniquely designed and strategically gifted. Use your gifts the way that Queenie is to impact the world. Thank you for listening to Gifted with Sheila White. We hope you understand how your gifts can make an impact on the world. Gifted with Sheila White is produced by Road to Eternity, a film and television production company.